On today's episode, we're going to talk about pot stickers and how a community can change your life. Let's go! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today I have with me Tiffany Yu. She's 29 years of age. She's the founder of Diversibility, which is a social enterprise to rebrand disability through the power of community. Tiffany, how is your day going? It is amazing. How's yours? It is amazing as well. Uh, (laughs) So you're in San Francisco. Your day is just about to begin. I'm about a couple hours into my day, but without further ado, we have to start the podcast off just like we do every single time with an icebreaker. So imagine Mm. you just had the best day of your life. What is that one piece of food that will make your day complete? This one's tough, Um, but I'm going to have to say it will probably be some pot sticker dumplings. Nice. Okay. Are we going anywhere? Chicken or pork? Chicken or pork. Um, Haven't found a spot yet. You know, I I moved to San Francisco from New York, so my heart is still in New Mm. York, but um, but, uh, slowly, slowly easing my way into San Francisco. (laughs) You have like a a lot of options in, uh, in, in New York. San Francisco, I mean, you have Chinatown for the most part, but I feel like it's not as robust as, as New York's uh, Chinatown is. But you know what? San Francisco is San Francisco, and New York is New York. I've been trying to do my best not to not to play the little comparison game because they're very different cities. Yeah. Well, you have beautiful weather, and New York doesn't. doesn't. So it, it works out. Some, sometimes, well, sometimes San Francisco has beautiful weathers, and sometimes it doesn't. And so, pros and cons to both. Very true. <laughs> so, without further ado, the first real question, Tiffany, is: yes. Tell us about yourself. Who are you, and what is your story? Yes. So again, as you all know, my name is Tiffany. I grew up in the D.C. area and uh, studied business in college, also went to school in D.C. and then moved up to New York uh, to work on Wall Street. Woo! Or I don't know if that deserves a cheer. Um, And then after a couple years, I feel like I've had a very multi-passionate career. So have worked in recruiting, have been to was once upon a time a TV producer, working in corporate development, was doing community management. Uh, All of those experiences, I think, are all skills in my toolbox, which have helped me in my current role as a founder of Diversibility. Uh, And I don't know if you want me to go a little bit more into into how Diversibility came to be, but... Yeah, Yeah. tell us us a little bit about it. Well, first of all, let's start off with like, what is Diversibility? Yeah. So you got the tagline in the intro, but pretty much what we do is we do two things. And number one is to humanize the disability experience through community and through storytelling. I think oftentimes we just look at the disability as like the diagnosis or something that needs to be fixed or cured. When in reality, I want to take a look at intersectionality and what disability looks like as an aspect of our identities. And then the second part is I wanted to really bring everyone into the conversation and let everyone have a seat at the table. And so we will host events in different cities or online or wherever we can to help facilitate that conversation around disability. I think we're so afraid of saying something offensive that we ultimately end up not saying anything at all. So then if you come back to this whole idea of intersectionality, 
there is an aspect of our identities that no one is really talking about. And that feels, that feels a little bit uncomfortable to me. So I want to get more people comfortable with disability and with disability as an aspect of identity. Hmm. So like, so tell us, like, how are you able to accomplish that? How are you doing it? So our main business is events. So we're not a nonprofit. Uh, we do get that question a lot. Um, but I think that there are more sustainable ways for us to run our business. So core business is through events. Uh, so what that means is we host our own. Sometimes they're partnered events with other organizations, or we have this pseudo consulting speakers bureau type where conferences or companies will hire us to host disability events for them or provide disability thought leadership at these conferences or at these different, different events that they're hosting. Mm. And you're using technology, uh, any form of technology in order to accomplish that or? So, uh, really where I think the, well, I think, I think that the, the biggest problems in the disability space begin at an early age. Number one is through parenting and education. And then number two is through media. Uh, so for us, you know, we leverage tech in the sense of trying to make as much noise as possible and trying to reach as many people. So whether that's through our social media channels, or sometimes we'll host Twitter chats, or sometimes at our events, we'll film part of them and put them onto YouTube. But it's really leveraging for us existing media in order to try to, you know, get this, get this topic. I used to, I call it the elephant in the room, normalized in everyday conversation. Mm. So like, I'm hearing all this amazing, these amazing things that you're doing and, and the amount of people that you're, that you're able to help. Where did this whole idea come from? Because I feel like it, it, it had to have come from some particular experience that you've had or maybe like your upbringing or a family member. Mm. How, mm. what is, I guess, what is your why? Yeah, so I think you're actually pretty much hitting the nail on the head because if, you're, if you don't have a disability or you're not affected by it, you don't even really think about it. Um, and so my story begins about 20 years ago. Uh, this all happened during Thanksgiving weekend. My mom had to travel for a business trip. So a couple of my siblings and I thought that we would go see her off at the airport. My dad was driving the car at the time. And I was in fourth grade. Uh, and on the way home, my dad actually lost control of the car. So um, he unfortunately ended up losing his life. And I ended up uh, acquiring a disability. So I have a bit of a funny hand. Um, what ended up happening, I was holding the, um, like the thing in the car, the handle on the roof of the car, uh, and ended up stretching the nerves. It, uh, there's a series of nerves in the back of your neck called the brachial plexus. Uh, and as a result, um, wasn't the nerves didn't really grow back properly. Um, and so still to this day, don't really have like full use of my arm. And so flashback, you know, 20 years ago, I ended up I was in the hospital for three weeks. I had broken a couple bones in my leg, so I was in a wheelchair for, um, for a few months as well. And after I relearned how to write, so I used to be right-handed, which is where my injury was, um, I relearned how to write with my left hand, and uh, the bones in my leg had healed, so I was walking again. And I went back to school, and if you think about it, like this incident wasn't, or this experience wasn't just disability, right? I also lost a family member. And so here I am, nine years old, going back to school, not really knowing or still mourning this loss of my father. 
And then also trying to deal with my new identity as a person with a disability. And I, if I look at what my environment was like growing up, my mom, I have three older siblings. So my mom now had to raise four kids on her own. So she did what she could do, which was work really hard, right? Because she had to create, she had to sustain life for, for now four kids on her own. Um, and so she was never home. And then at school, I had to take this mandatory physical education class for, you know, pretty much the next couple of years up until high school. And so I'd get dressed for a class every single day that no one really wanted me to be at. I was always the last kid picked when it was time to pick sports teams. And it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not, but things like that, like being excluded, being the last kid picked can have a lasting impact on the value we, we feel like we can provide in society. Uh, so my entire environment was pretty isolated and alone at home and then at school just feeling really excluded. And it wasn't until a little over 10 years after the accident. So in this, you know, 10 year period, I actually had not shared this story of the car accident with anyone. Um, I wore long sleeves all the time. I tried to hide my disability or my difference. Uh, and anytime anyone would ask me about it, I'd actually just start crying because I hadn't really gone through my own healing process or didn't know how to deal with what happened. Uh, and when I got to college, now 10 plus years later, I remember participating in a conversation on diversity and we were given a pie and asked to cut out slices based on how important different aspects of our social identities were to us. So for example, how important is religion to you or how important, at least for me, being Taiwanese or being American or having a disability or being a woman. And so my injuries from the accident could have been much worse, right? I could have lost my life. Super grateful I didn't. I could have become paraplegic. But the fact that I can't use one of my arms is actually something I still think about every single day. Like, how do you open a water bottle? Or how do you, you know, roll a roller luggage and carry an umbrella when it's raining in San Francisco? Um, or how do you carry a laundry basket to, do, to go do your laundry? Um, just simple, everyday things. Uh, and when I looked over at the guy next to me and I looked at his pie, being able-bodied on his pie was like the thinnest slice it could have been. And so I had this aha moment where I was like, number one, people seem to be pretty uncomfortable with disability. And as a result, they're probably uncomfortable with me. And I'm not creating a space for them to become more comfortable because what I am doing is I'm crying and I'm reinforcing the belief or I'm reinforcing the fact that if you ask someone about their difference and they start to get defensive or they act in a way, then you will no longer ask. Um, and then... I thought about it a little bit more back to this whole conversation around language. And I realized that the, that the fear was really around this fear of saying something offensive. Um, and because we're so afraid of not being politically correct, we just end up tippy-toeing around this, this conversation on disability or end up not talking about it at all. And so then I think about, okay, well, if disability is something I think about every day, and no one is talking about it, think about what that feels like to feel overlooked and to feel like you have part of who you are being ignored. Um, so that was the very long-winded <laughs> how diversability came to be. So it's so interesting because I get questions a lot that are like, so are you addressing unemployment or, you know, are you building any tech? You know, are you, and, and there are tons of innovations in the space being done and there's tons of work being done about unemployment. But I think for me, I'm just really coming down to a fundamental need of wanting to belong. 
And disability, at least my experience, was very isolating. And what happens when we take these experiences that transcend disability, you know, feeling like a burden, um, feeling like you have like baggage or you have a story or you have faced some kind of childhood adversity, those are things that all of us can connect on. Once we connect there, then we realize, hey, there isn't really this us and them. It's really just for all humans first. Let's connect there. Yeah, Let's get absolutely. to know each other there. Yeah, I love it. Well, number one, thank you so much for sharing that personal story. Um, you are an amazing woman. The fact that you know, just you being able to come in and start the podcast off with this vibrant personality just goes to show you. Uh, shows hopefully the audience and and everybody else that's just just you know, associated as the type of person that you are that no matter what is thrown at your way, um, you're gonna overcome it. So mm. congratulations, kudos to you on, <laughs> on that. Um, I, I do I do want to touch on something you said though. Yeah. People, I, this word overcoming, I think is really interesting because. I feel like oftentimes when you hear these stories, you're looking for the triumph or you're looking for the win at the end. And I think to be like totally honest with you, it's still very much a work in progress, mm. right? There are some days that I wake up and I'm like, man, how do I get people who wouldn't normally show up to the conversation to show up, you know? And that is very much an uphill battle too. And I remember we hosted an event last week and I was like, my whole world is disability. And so I didn't realize that it can make people uncomfortable to either like show show social media support for say a mental illness event because then people you know might make some associations and then it just it kind of got me a little angry which I guess which is where like any good business idea comes from um, which is there's just so much stigma in the space mm. so how do you make yeah how do you make these things. Yeah, so I don't know if I've overcome anything, but well, but, but I think I think it's interesting because you have a choice, and you have a choice every single day when you wake up to either get your ass out of bed or and do something about it, or sit at home and and sulk and just you know and and hate the world, and mm -hmm. and I feel as if that you know the fact that there are people like you that are just saying you know what waking up isn't just good enough. I need to do more is is incredible and i think you're solving a, a a real issue here which is even better and i know you're helping a lot of people but let's get to some of the events that you're that you're throwing because um there are people listening out here trying to get advice when it comes to you know getting their message out there and mm -hmm. and and having people buy into what it is that they're that they're trying to um you know, sell, so to speak, whether it's just like a human interaction or even a product or service. So what are some of the struggles that you've had early on in the beginning of, of this business? Mm. So I will say Diversibility started as a side hustle. And for the first two years after we had relaunched, uh, I was working on it on the side. Um, and I think that there... I mean, I think side hustle is the new name of the game now. <laughs> um, but I think for me, it was finding, like, it was really setting boundaries around my time that this is something I wanted to commit my time to. And so I needed to cut out a lot of other things. Um, and that meant a lot of birthday drinks, you know, leaving parties, housewarmings um, that I, that, and and I think what's so funny is, one of the biggest differences for me from moving from New York to San Francisco is I don't feel as much fear of missing out here. 
Um, and maybe that's a getting older thing. I'm not sure, but, uh, there were a lot of things that I missed, uh, when we had started diversity in New York, uh, for the first two years. Um, and then I think it was trying to, one of the questions that I got in the beginning a lot is why should people care about this and care about being part of this conversation? Um, and that's still something I face a lot. Um, and I think about the conversations that are happening around women and around uh, people of color and around the LGBT community. And just like any of those conversations, I feel like this conversation is just as important as well. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I, I guess like, when did it become more than just a side hustle? And then, and then I'm going to ask, ask, ask a follow-up question about you moving from New York to San Francisco. But like, when did mm. it become the, a non-side hustle, the real deal? Yeah. Um, so I think I have what is called like, I call it shiny object syndrome. <laughs> Just if you, if you look at my career, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to do banking. Oh, wait, I, let me try this recruiting thing. Um, and I've kind of been, I feel like in my 20s in like skill acquisition mode. And maybe it's all coming up and bottling up up until this point. Um, but about a year ago, I about a year ago, I left my job at Revolt, and I actually thought I was going to see what it could look like if I worked on diversity full time. All the meanwhile, I was applying. I was very loosely applying to jobs that I thought were really interesting in the community space, uh, and then ended up getting two job offers and going back back to working. But I, but I guess I'll, I guess I'll say two things. Number one is as a woman with a disability, I did feel like it was important for me to be in the workplace and be in jobs where disability was not my full thing. Mm -hmm. A couple months ago, which is when I transitioned into working on diversity and seeing what it could look like if someone were working on it full time, um, that transition happened because I started to think about how privileged I have been to be able to work at the places that I've been, to be able to have been employed. So there's a statistic floating around there that 70% of American, adults Americans with disabilities who want to work are unemployed. Uh, and that is really heartbreaking to me. Uh, and it's a quote from Senator Tom Harkin, who was one of the originators of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, but when I see stuff like that, I just feel really grateful to have had the opportunities that I've had. So what do I do with the privilege I've been given as a person with a disability to have been employed and to have a voice in this space? I think there is, uh, I think there is something that can be done that is much bigger than what we are doing here at Diversability. And then one other thing that I didn't mention, actually just last month, since I know we've kind of been like scheduled in like a little bit of a scheduling tag here. Um, last month, me and nine other people launched a giving circle um, or random acts of kindness where we award an, a $1,000 grant to a disability project every single month. Mm. Uh, and again, coming back to this idea around privilege, all 10 of us have disabilities and all 10 of us are in a position where we can each contribute you know, $100 per month uh, to see an idea turn into a reality and to, you know, put our vote of confidence into a person and their project, which is something that is missing so much in this space. Um, 
So outside of diversibility and the community we've created and the events we're doing that I'm super excited about, I'm really passionate about empowerment and seeing the power of my dollar go a really long way in terms of elevating the voices and the work of other people with disabilities and disability projects and like taking those to the next level. Sure, absolutely. So I'm just going to say something relatively controversial, but white males have it really good <laughs> in the United States. Oh, really? Yeah, spoiler Never heard alert. That one before. Spoiler <laughs> alert, by the way. You read that in a book. Um, but you're a woman, you're a woman of color, and you have a disability. What would you say to those people? You know, what are you doing to get that message out there? And, and what would you say to those people that kind of look at you and say, like, oh, you know, you're this, you're that, all these stigmas? Like, what are you going to say to that to that individual that kind of like looks at you differently? That's not listening to the to the diversibility message. Mm, um, I I love this topic actually, and I used to lead a lot of workshops around privilege. And BuzzFeed had this um, had like a viral video um, or a video go viral where uh, they had everyone stand in, in what we call a privilege line, and based on different questions, you take a step forward, you take a step back. And after facilitating enough of these on my own, one interesting thing that I saw was that the interesting thing is when you are at the front of the line, you actually can't see who's behind you. Um, and that was a big aha to me because I get comments a lot that are like, you know, um, I work really hard. I just don't understand why other people can't work just as hard. Mm. You know, I know I've had... Um, I've had to make, and then they're like, oh, I've had to make sacrifices in my life, but like I managed to like overcome them and, and do all this other stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, you were at the front of the line. You actually can't see everything these, everything, everyone behind you is trying to go through. Um, and I think for me, uh, I think it's trying to find, trying to find that commonality that will bring you to the table. Um, so again, it's thinking, it's like, how can I ignite some kind of emotion within you that maybe isn't along the lines of disability, but maybe it's like, hey, let's talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes there are a lot of mental health issues or depression or anxiety that are related to that. And disability, depending on how you define it, is anything that is debilitating in your life, which can be depression, which can be anxiety, which can be chronic illnesses. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I think for me, it's just finding those places of connection. And if I think, if I, if I look back at, at my career, right, I started in a very male dominated industry. Um, and then the one thing I didn't mention was that I actually took a coding boot camp about a year ago, um, in, in the interest of wanting to better understand like why there wasn't as much of a pipeline. And I went to an event and the event or the panel was, the topic was like, was like tech pioneers. And it was asking all these amazing women in tech on the panel, you know, what, what it feels like to be a pioneer. And a lot of the women, you know, like hashtag real talk <laughs> were like, it's, it's really lonely to be here at the top. Mm. It's actually very difficult to be the one girl in your CS class. And if it continues to be like that, that is a very lonely place to be. And for me, if I think about fun, again, fundamental needs, 
it really is rooted in community and rooted in belonging. And when you, when you are in a place where you don't feel like the norm or you don't feel like you belong, you start to create this narrative for yourself that like, hey, I don't belong here. Let me try to get out or let me try to find some other place where I will be more accepted. Interesting. So I have to um, say, just uh, ask one more question about business and then we can kind of get on to fun questions. But um, I thought these were the fun questions. <laughs> I think they're pretty fun, but I don't know. Um, failure. It's something that we are constantly, as entrepreneurs, constantly you know, being met with. So what would you say has been your biggest failure thus far and how did you overcome it? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I have like all these ideas in my head. Um, I think for me, uh, and this one's kind of a softball one. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking like over the past five years, like I've gotten job offers, like quit jobs, gotten ready to move and then had offer offers rescinded, um, and had to change course. Um, and had to be really resilient around that. Um, and again, kind of thinking back to, uh, to like my own story, it doesn't feel great when you don't feel like you're wanted. Right. Um, but anyway, that's a whole separate conversation in itself. I think for me, from a business perspective, I think it's two things. And number one is setting, like valuing our business for what it is. And I think for the first couple of years, for the first couple of years of diversity, because it was a side hustle, I was like, oh, I'll do it for free. Oh, you know, like, yeah, like just take, take, take our brand and take every, you know, like open source everything. Um, and then coming to, and then now that like we are a viable business and we've gotten client, we've gotten paid clients and we've been able to like provide multiple or alternative revenue streams for people within our community and new opportunities for them. I'm like, yeah, we are worth like, we are worth the amount of money that we say we should. And then people are like, but wait, you did this, you did this other thing before, or you like, you said this other thing. And so I think for me, it was like really knowing what our value was when we started, which is always a tough place to be, right? You're trying to, what's the word like product market fit. You're trying to figure out like where the right fit is. Um, and if there is a market for what you're offering, um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to really draw a hard line in terms of valuing and taking ourselves, taking myself seriously too, that I am running a business. Like, yeah, totally. And I, I think it's so important. I think that's when, when like an entrepreneur or, or just a person in general can become really dangerous and, and dangerous in a good way is when they find out who they are, what they stand for and how much they're worth. So it's really mm. good that you've been able to figure that out at such a young age and then just like double down on that particular aspect and then make an awesome business out of it. So um, yeah, great, I'm not, great not quite sure if I figured it out yet, but it's always well, in the back of my mind. You at least um, have a general idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I think the other thing is, I think is being very, uh, being very thoughtful about who I'm adding to my team. Mm. Um, so when we started, uh, we were entirely volunteer run and we still have a ton of volunteers who do some really great work for us. But about six months ago, I felt like it was time to hire like a community manager or a digital associate to help me with some of the day-to-day -day things. And it was a really interesting process because 
diversity as a brand, like you have to get it. You have to understand our voice. Um, and then if I am bringing in someone who, you know, is totally new to our community, I do want there to be some period where like, you're seeing the type of content that people are sharing. You're seeing the types of conversations that are happening. Uh, and I ended up bringing on someone who had actually been, uh, part very loosely part of diversity when we started as a campus club. So she got it. And then we'd kind of been following each other after we had graduated. Uh, so to be able to bring her on and have her, have her already like understand what we were doing um, was really powerful to me. Nice, very cool. Well, we're going to uh, shift the change, of, uh, shift the focus of the conversation for just a little bit. Um, I got asked this question once and I didn't know how to answer it. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, very simple, very easy. But what do you do for fun? Hmm. <laughs> um, I like, I, so I love, I call myself an explorer. Um, I just love adventure, whether it's like micro adventures or like traveling, but I just like love seeing things and I love eating things. So the best way for me to explore new places through food. Um, and then the best way for me to explore a new place is just by walking around. So one of the cool things about San Francisco is it is, it is a lot smaller than New York. And so any place that's maybe within like a two and a half to three mile radius of here, I'll walk and you'll like find cool little stores or like see which parts of the city are bustling. Um, so those are kind of like my fun things. I don't know. I love sleeping. <laughs> is, that a, <laughs> is that a fun thing? It can um, be, yeah. <laughs> I, th I will say one of the one of the things that I have been very grateful for about exploring what entrepreneurship looks like full time is I love the way that my lifestyle is. I have been so much more in tune with like listening to my body. And when I'm tired, I will rest, you know, um, and and that just feels really good. Yeah, well, that's actually a perfect segue. So, you know, what are some habits that have helped you become more efficient throughout your day? Hmm. Um, I, I have this joke with, so I hate the word busy because we all are. Um, and someone had once said, since when did busy become an Olympic sport? Uh, it's like this contest to be as like busy and as efficient and as productive as possible. Um, but I think for me, it's just not being so hard on myself. Like my to-do list is like, you know, it, it just will never go away. The to-do list will never go away. Um, and I think for me, I normally will think of like one thing that I want to accomplish that day. And then that's, that's going to be the thing. Um, but again, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, like, I am an executor. Like I love getting stuff done, but I also do see value in like, Hey, it feels really nice to like, and then so the other, I don't know if there's a hack or not, but the other thing is I don't really make plans on the weekends. Uh, and that lets like spontaneity come in, you mm. know, and it's like, Hey, maybe this, this 30 minute coffee with a friend ends up into like a three or four hour adventure. And how beautiful is that to like, be able to have the time and the space to like celebrate that experience totally. with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really answer your question. 
but but I feel like I am efficient sometimes. <laughs> no, no, I think I think that's uh, I mean that's a lot of great advice, a lot of good hacks that that have made you successful, and that's the whole purpose of this podcast. Is somebody's going to listen to you, and they're going to take something away that you've said, and hopefully make it their own. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm interested to hear about some type of tech that you've used. So, uh, do you have any particular tech uh, websites that you just can't live without? Um, cannot live without the skim. Okay. which is a daily newsletter, a daily email newsletter. Nice. And if you want to sign up, it's bit.ly slash skim this, all right, all right. <laughs> which is my personal link. Um, but that just helps me stay up to date with current events, um, which I think given today's day and age, there is so much happening um, and so much content and even like fake controversy around fake news mm-hmm. uh, that it's nice just to like be able to spend, you know, five or 10 minutes in the morning being like, okay, Here's what happened with the healthcare bill yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Don't so even go there. Don't even. I know. Go there. <laughs> I know. That's why I kind of made like sad face. Um, and then the other, yeah, I think I've been very like my my to do list is a combination of like a notebook plus notepad mm. on my on my phone. Um, but like, can't live without Google Calendar. You know, kind of like, I mean, I just think about whenever you get a new phone or like a new iPhone or whatever, and they have the essentials package and it's got like the note, your notepad and the calendar app. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I keep it kind of simple. I think what I have found is that, um, and I'm curious if any of your listeners or if you have any thoughts on this, but I feel like there are so many ways to get in contact with me. There's, you know, Skype, oh, there's absolutely. Google Hangout, there's Facebook Messenger, there's text, WhatsApp, Line, email. And I just, I, I'm just like falling behind in all these places of communication. And people are like, what's the best method? And I'm like, I don't even know anymore because <laughs> everybody is finding some way to find me. Yeah, totally. I, I, can, I can relate to that. I mean, I think, I think that's kind of like what good marketing is, making yourself more accessible to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think... Uh, I feel as if that people have more of an understanding now if they know how busy you are and you're everywhere that if you don't get to it like right away. Um, but if, but at the same time, that's also like a, 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 it could be a downfall because if you don't answer something it, with more than like a couple of hours, our attention span just goes away. And then like in Snapchat, for example, you're like, what did I say again? So, <laughs> so it's just like you always live that world. So it's like a double-edged sword, like making yourself accessible, but like too accessible, it could hurt you. Um, yeah. Well, I want to I want to just um, end on the on, on something that's really important, and that's just you know the blind entrepreneur was to help individuals who may be temporarily blind in business and may not be able to see the obvious. So they're stuck in a particular mm-hmm. headspace. They're stuck in this mindset of just like not being able to wake up um, and go to work and do what they want to do. So, you know, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Great question. Um, Number one, I would say, is to celebrate all the small wins. So I actually wrote a piece for, I think it was Fortune a couple of years ago. um, And my one piece of advice was to create a to-done list. Mm. So we have to-do lists. And so create a to-done list, which in a way is kind of like a journal. So if you have a journaling practice, like that is helpful too. But it's really just an outlet to be like, here's what I did today. Like, oh, wait, I actually did do a lot of stuff. And again, kind of thinking back to the fact that we are so hard on ourselves all the time, like, how come we're not getting this press? Or how come I'm not getting the traction? I think just celebrating those like small wins, like, hey, I got a client, 
or like, hey, someone followed me on social media mm. or like engage with this post. Um, so that's the first one, celebrating small wins. Um, number two, I think is advice that I need to follow as well, which is <laughs> ask for help when you need it. Um, and so I've always, uh, I think I think like given my, given my childhood experiences, I have always felt like I needed to be super independent and really self-reliant. Um, but there are certain things that I'm not good at. Like I, I love our brand and I love what I've built and I can set, I can sell it based on vulnerability, but I can't sell it like a salesperson can, you know? So like maybe I need to go find a business development person to help me with that aspect. Um, so my third piece of advice would be to find a community that really resonates with you. I think being an entrepreneur and in my case, like a solopreneur can be a really isolating experience. But um, even just thinking about the move to San Francisco, like a lot of the communities that I was a part of in New York also have a presence here in San Francisco. And so there are some awesome women's ones like Dreamers and Doers. Uh, I'm part of like a couple like social change ones like Global Shapers. There's ones for um, people who are a little bit more mobile called Sandbox. Uh, so all of these different communities together, I think, make my life really colorful and make this experience a journey and an adventure, you know, that is part of my exploration of self and like exploration. So love it. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. You have successfully completed the podcast. So without <laughs> further ado, you have about 30 seconds. Tell everybody what you're working on, how they can contact you. Uh, and how can they listen and be a part of your journey? Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Tiffany Yu. I'm the founder of Diversibility, and I'm also the founder of the Disability Chapter of the Awesome Foundation. Get involved. You can find us across social at Diversibility. Uh, our website is, I don't know if you can see that on my shirt, is mydiversibility.com. Um, if you want a shirt, let me know. We've got them in women's and unisex sizes. Um, but ultimately, the way I want to, you to get involved is to come to our events, and if they're not happening, host your own. So get in touch with us, and we'll help you figure out a way to help continue this conversation. Awesome. Tiffany, thank you so much. And don't forget to like, subscribe to the podcast, to YouTube channel. All the links, including your own, Tiffany, is going to be in the show notes. Tiffany, have a wonderful day, and thank you so thank much for you. your time. Thank you.